Welcome to Raider Cobb Nation. I am flying the flag high atop of Florida's peninsula at 108 feet to bring you episode number 89, Mob Detectives, on our continuous Wise Guys series. Today we're going to talk about two New York City highly decorated detectives that had a little side job. As a result, the side job got them in a little bit of trouble. It is an amazing mob story and shows you how temptation can actually work. So we got a lot to unfold on that. But there's been a lot of, what in the world's going on? Where's the schedule? I'm confused. There's so many things going on now. No, stay calm, collected, and cool. We've come up with a format of five, the five formatted features in Raider Cop Nation. It's real easy. Nothing's changed. We've got thinking out of the box, which is the leadership, how to run yourself, your agency, in outside the norms, looking towards the future. Training Up is our training episodes and series from guns to CIT to use of force to an array of tools that you can use for your tool chest. The Sidebar series is mostly about the wacky left and how the liberal left has worked so hard for so many years to destroy policing in America. We want you to identify immediately what a political hack is, especially a chief of police, because that will allow you to have better discernment on what's good and what's bad. Roll call series, the day-to-day operations of law enforcement. And we finish up with the Wise Guys series. It's the criminal element and how law enforcement deals with it. Who are these guys? What have they done? And where are they going? So that's our format of five. And if you go to RaiderCopNation.com and you hit current and upcoming shows, you'll see that the flag or the banner will drop and it'll show you the five elements. Click on the one you want to see and it gives you a list of shows that are coming up. Now, what you will notice is there are no dates next to these things. So what we've done is we have the, the, the titles there. The episode is being formatted but we are working with our co-hosts, so when they become available, then we put dates on things and we post them up on the bulletin board. So uh, you go to RaiderCopNation.com, you hit current and upcoming events, upcoming shows, and what will pop up is the current show. You can hear it, you know, in its recorded form. It'll give you the list of the five um, series that we have on our platform. We're not going to talk about the weather. 
We're going to talk about these five things. And then we'll tell you about maybe one or two upcoming shows. Like uh, this one, of course, Mob Detectives. Right after this, June 5th, we will treat you to The Grim Reaper. The Grim Reaper. And boy, are we going to shock you on some information about the Grim Reaper. And that's also a part of the Wise Guys series. So we've got a lot on there, kind of just moving the direction of the ship about 30 to 40 nautical miles to one side. And, uh, but we're still on the same path. Nothing's changed. <coughs> Soon you will be hearing our superheroes. Yeah! On, on the so, summer's always a rough time. Bed changing is always a rough time. They change their days, and I used to have these days. I got these days. I'm on this shift now. I'm so for the active guys that go through that, we understand. For the retired guys that just could care our rat's ass about what's going on around them, they also have a busy schedule going from lounge chair to lounge chair. Now, the famous leadership quote of the week. This week's quote, we're going to turn to Crazy Joe Gallo and his infamous words. I respectfully decline to answer because I honestly believe my answer might tend to incriminate me. Crazy Joe Gallo. That's right. Telephone tough guy. Put Vito on a phone. No, we can't put Vito on the phone on this episode, but we will be putting Vito on the phone in the future on the Wise Guys series RaiderCopNation.com. It's that easy. Today's episode number 89, we are talking about mob detectives. Specifically, we're talking about two NYPD decorated detectives. One, Louis Epelito, joined the force of NYPD in 1969, and he retired in 1989, completing 20 years of service. There were some hardships all during that course, but Detective Epolito reached the grade of second degree, second grade detective, and he is noted as the eleventh most decorated officer in the NYPD. Of course, that might be disclaimed today because of what happened, but you can't take away 
the record that he had prior to what we're going to speak about today. He's received Medal of Valor and a bunch of other uh, awards by in his career by the NYPD. Also, Detective Stephen Caracapa. He was distinguished himself in Vietnam, serving for our country in 1966 uh, within the ranks of the United States Marine Corps. And uh, following that service, he applied and in 1969 being hired by the NYPD. Now, Detective Caracapa had some issues with a prior arrest, but uh, during the late 60s, early 70s, the NYPD was really hurting to get people. So <coughs> they overlooked his little mishap. I, uh, we know him now, of course. He reached the rank of first grade detective, first grade detective in the NYPD. And um, he had a distinguishing career as well, serving as a detective with the major crimes unit in the NYPD. Now, let's go back to Luis Epelito because he's our subject matter that we're going to concentrate here mostly. As we said, he was sworn into the NYPD in 1969. He retired in 1989. And he had a distinguishing career with a lot of medals. But who was Detective Epelito? Well, let's look at the family tree. Father, Ralph Epelito, was a soldier in the Gambino crime family. He died in 1969 at the age of 52. Uncle, Freddie Epelito, was also a soldier in the Gambino crime family. Another uncle was Jimmy Epolito, reached a level of acting underboss. He was known as Jimmy the Clam Epolito. Cousin Jim Epolito was a soldier in the Gambino Grand family as well. <laughs> and he had a cousin by the name of Frank Santorio Jr. And he was also in the Gambino family. So... Everything was in the Gambino family except Louis Epelito, which joined the NYPD. Now, during the time that Louis Epelito applied, there was, of course, a background investigation that had to be fulfilled. And one of the questions on the background was, do you have any knowledge of anyone as a friend excuse me, or a relative that has a criminal history or background? Well, that question was a little confusing for Louis, so he just didn't mark it and kept on about his business. There's no need to mention the family tree. So, you know, if they would have answered, asked him, do you have any relatives in the Gambino crime family, then he could have answered yes or no. But that was too confusing, so he didn't answer it. <coughs> so he goes on on his career, and for the most part, he was uh, stationed in Brooklyn, and, um, you know, he did his little stint in patrol. 
and we're not going to go into you know exactly everything he did, but he did have uh, uh, a detective second grade was his his rank position, and during the budget crunch of the NYPD back in the seventies, uh, he stayed in the detective bureau, but he was transferred around <coughs> other commanders in Brooklyn. And as a result, he moves up the corporate ladder in the NYPD. But as time in grade goes on, people start to look and notice and say, especially the guys in the OCB, hey, you know who this guy's related to? And all of a sudden, people are walking around with egg on their face. But nobody can explain what he's doing there. Now, Detective Eppolito had moments that he was disgraced or put down or not allowed to play with others because FBI and certain other task force, they didn't want him. They didn't want him anywhere near them because of the family tree. He always disagreed with that position, saying that he was an honest cop. And for the most part, that's all they knew of him. So not really many people could say, that's not true. We know that you did the following, because nobody had any evidence yet. But then young Epolito detective turns into old Epolito detective, and in 1989, he decides to hang up the gloves. Now, when he goes to retire from the NYPD, he cannot wait to get behind the typewriter and start typing. And what is he typing? Well, he's typing his memoirs, his biography, who he is, who his family was. Remember the questionnaire? What he didn't mark, what he didn't put down? Well, now he wants to tell the world about it. And he writes his book. Now, let me tell you a little bit of what I know about this. So I have the actual book. I actually brought the hardcover book. Nobody buys hardcover books no more. What the hell are you going to buy that for? It costs like a gazillion dollars. But uh, back in 1989, when I started, I heard several articles about Detective Louis Epolito. And although I didn't know who he was, I did hear from there was an Epolito in the Gambino family. Well, you can't stereotype everybody and, you know, just ask the guys over in the Banana Crime family <clears throat> that just beat their their case in federal court that they were discriminated against and racially profiled for being gangsters. Because they talk like the way they talk, and they and they talk funny with their hands. And guess what? They were acquitted and sent home. And they got over on the system. So here, you can't do the same thing. But I, I thought it was strange. And I kept it always in the back of my mind. Then all of a sudden, I see <coughs> this guy... He's a movie actor, big, heavy set guy. And guess what? His name is Louis Epolito. 
I go, well, look at this. It's, it's, it's an article I read. Now, now this guy's doing movies. Look at that. Shortly after that, in 1992, he produced his memoirs, his book, Mafia Cop, the story of an honest cop whose family was the mob. Well, that, that headline sure did attract a lot of attention. Another thing that kind of perked out on me was his badge number, which was one, one numeral off than my badge number. His was 3179. <coughs> so I look and I say, I'm going to go buy this book and I'm going to look at it and I'm going to read it and I'm going to look at all the freaking pictures inside it <coughs> because something tells me something's not right. And I did look at the book. I, 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 I read it. And for all intents and purposes, back in 92, he did a bunch of uh, interviews all over television about this. It looked like he was heading towards a very promising career. <coughs> but needless to say, trouble was around the corner for Detective Eppolito and his partner, Caracapa. Uh, shortly after the incident of writing the book, and he came out on Jesse Raphael. Remember her? with The bug-eye glasses, the round glasses. And uh, she had a talk show on. And she brought him on, and he was talking about his book and his mob family and <coughs> how he was mistreated and when he was going up the ranks in the NYPD and, you know, people were uh, discriminated against him because of uh, of his uh, Italian background. And, and, of course, who his family was was never really a big issue, but it should have been. And lo and behold, an old lady is watching Jesse Raphael's show also. And she sees Detective Eppolito, which is retired now, on the couch on the show talking about who he is. And he even posts, they even showed a clip from his book, you know, the pictures inside of him and his partner, Stephen Caracappa. And the old lady said, what in the world? That's them. And things started to change rapidly. <coughs> things started to change rapidly. So let me, let me, let me go on a little bit. Now I told you he had a cousin by the name of Frank Santario, a junior of the Gambino crime family. And boy, was his cousin was a little bit of a chatterbox. He liked to tell other people, uh, associates we'll call them, that uh, he had a cousin in the NYPD. And if you ever need anything, just let me know because, you know, I call my cousin. And he did reach out to... Uh, an individual that was an associate of uh, the mafia. It was not Italian. It was part of the syndicate more so. And he did want his services after he got out of prison. <clears throat> so he asked for some information, and the information was given, and as a result, 
he paid a, a fee for it. I can't remember how much it was, insignificant amount. But he said, this is the, the bad guy, the gangster here. He tells his cousin, Santorio, this is a gold mine you got here. I know who can use this, a guy over in the Lucchese crime family, and they can really use your services. And uh, I guess he was affiliated with the Lucchese crime family. So he drops a name, and he says, Gas Pipe. Gas Pipe. Anthony Gas Pipe Cassio, which at the time is the underboss to the Lucchese crime family. So they meet. He asks for some things. They produce. They get money. Things are going out, working out pretty good. <coughs> All of a sudden, Gas Pipe starts putting higher emphasis on things. He wants things <clears throat> a little a little faster to go. Now, during this time, and this is in the early 90s, there's a dispute because John Gotti is now the boss of the Gambino crime family because he killed Paul Castellano. He whacked him, got rid of him out, and he takes over the Gambino family. But there was an issue with this thing called the Mafia Commission, whether Gotti had permission to do it or not. As a result, the Lucchese crime family and the Genovese crime family over there with Chin Gigante, they didn't like this one bit, and they said, listen, he can, he can whack a boss. He, we'll have you know, madness in the streets here. Somebody's got to do something. So Chin Gigante tells Glasspipe, get your hands out of your pocket and do something. So he makes his connections with these cops, <coughs> Louis Eppolito, Stephen Capricara, and he tells them, I need some info, I need this, I need that. He's been working with them for a while. He even had them on a payroll, $4,000 a month. Uh, it's better than just how much, $50,000, $30,000. No, 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 no. He goes, this ain't going to work. I just put you on the payroll. You get four grand a piece a month. And when I need something, you give it to me. So they said yes. They liked that. It was a good retirement package for them just before they left. And um, at, at the time, Gas Pipe, better known as Anthony Cassio, he wants to knock out and get rid of Eddie Lino. Well, Eddie Lino was, was pulled over by an unmarked unit in uh, November 6th of 1990. And when they pulled him over, uh, Eddie Lino, which was a capo, captain, in the Gambino family, thought it was just the detectives busting his chops. But uh, Epolito supposedly told him when he pulled him over, he looked inside his car and he said, hey, uh, Eddie, what's that on the floor? And when Eddie turned to look, Stephen Capicaria uh, put a couple rounds in the back of his head. So this was alleged, of course. It was also alleged that that hit cost $75,000 out of Anthony Gaspipe's uh, coffers. 
but he paid it graciously because he got what he wanted. He got rid of um, Eddie Lino. Now, Eddie Lino was a little payback for the Gotti and, and, and his takeover. <coughs> of course, they were still trying to get at Gotti. There was some foul attempts with car bombing and stuff like that. Some other people got killed. And uh, then later there was a little powwow sit-down over uh, over this whole matter, and, and it was straightened out. But there was a mistake that was made <clears throat> that was crucial. See, Anthony Gaspipe wanted information. Remember, he's paying his retainer $4,000 a month uh, each. That's $8,000 apiece. Oh, for both, I mean. And uh, so he wants some services here. And he wants information on a guy by the name of Nicholas Guido. And they wanted Nicholas Guido real bad, like yesterday. <clears throat> and he wanted him pointed out, and he wanted this and that. So what happens, um, Epolito's partner comes up with a great idea. I have a special code that I can use on my NYPD computer, organized crime computer, because I work major crimes, and I'm a big shot, and I can just type in my passcode, and I can look up anything I want. So, Detective First Grade, Stephen Caracappa, starts typing in Nicholas Guido. Of course, he gets paid for his services by Anthony gas pipe and he tells them I need a little bit more time maybe a little bit more money we can find out exactly if this is the right guy well Anthony gas pipe doesn't want to hear that he goes yeah 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 whatever I got this so he dispatches his hit team and they whack Nicholas Guido right there in the middle of the street as he was looking over his brand new car with his uncle Team drove by, drive-by shooting, bang, bang, bang. Nicholas Guido's dead. But there was one problem. It wasn't the Nicholas Guido that Anthony Gaspipe was looking for. And the cops even said, this guy's a model citizen, and he was whacked. Well, this brought a lot of heat, brought a lot of heat, a lot of heat. But the pieces of the puzzle was still not connected. Now, remember I told you that uh, Gotti took over the family and he waxed Paul Castellano, which was the boss of the Gambino family, and then Gotti takes over the Gotti, uh, the Gambino family. <coughs> but Gigante from the Genovese family is upset about this, as, as well as the Lucchese family uh, with... Uh, uh, Vic Amuso, which is the boss over at Lucchese, and the underboss, Anthony Gaspipe Casio. So they're upset about this. Now, the other families could care less, the Colombo and, and the Bonanno family, but there's a big thing over with these two families. So while they're killing Captain uh, Capo, Eddie Lino, and they're trying to blow each other up, there's... Uh, Dispatch Gotti dispatches a hit team to kill and get rid of nasty Anthony 
uh, gas pipe. So they try to get rid of him. Now, they missed. Uh, gas pipe was enjoying a nice little ice cream cone. They drove by, bam, 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 shot. He rolled out of the car, ran down the street, and they missed him. So Anthony did not get killed. As a result, Anthony was upset. He wanted to know who did that hit on him. He put those good detectives to work, and he paid them good money. And they came up with a name by the name of Heidel. Well, Heidel was just a street kid, and he was an associate, and he worked with the Gambino family. <laughs> and he he was the one that took the shots at him. So one thing led to another. Good old detective, hard-working detective service of Epitolito and Caracapia, they turned over Handel. Now, they went to his house. They rang on his doorbell. His mother answers the door with his brother. They thought that the brother was the guy they were looking for. He said, no, that's not me. That's my brother. And they left. But the mother saw both of them. Well, the one that they were looking for, he never came back. They later found him, same day, picked him up. He went with them. Why? Because they're cops. He thought he was going in for questioning. But they never got to headquarters. They got to an abandoned warehouse where one and only Anthony Gaspipe Casio was waiting for him. Of course, he was tortured, shot, and killed. And because Anthony wasn't having any of this shooting at me nonsense, he wanted that straightened out right away. So as a result, the kid never comes home. But the mother, and the mother never forgets what occurred. Now it's 1992, and Heidel's mother is watching Jesse Raphael. And she looks, and she says, that fat guy looks familiar. He's a cop or a gangster? I'm not sure. So she's watching the show listening to what they're talking about, and he's selling a book. And then they open up the book to the picture of him and his partner. And lo and behold, those are the two clowns that came to the house the day my son disappeared. So the old lady wasn't having any of it. She dialed 911. <coughs> and she was put through to the major crime detectives. And when they told those detectives the story wait a minute they picked up your son and that was the last time you saw your son yeah okay Epolito gangsters Anthony Gaspipe they started putting all the pieces of the puzzle together and the NYPD detectives a guy by the name of Dade Thomas Dade he says you know I'm really going to look at this. So he interviews the old lady. She positively identifies both detectives. So he goes, let me look into what Caracapa might have been punching in in the computer with his secret code that he had. And lo and behold, he was punching in not only Heidel's information at one time, he also punched in 
Nicholas Guido. Remember? The poor innocent civilian that got killed? Well, why would he punch in that code if he didn't have anything to do with him? And he wasn't working that that organized crime family. So the detectives got to detecting and they started smelling a rotten situation. Well, while all this was going on, <coughs> Louis Epolito and Stephen Caracapia were in retirement, enjoying life, and headed towards Las Vegas where they both would buy a house and they would live next door to each other. They were so close. The Epolito, Louis Epolito, was making movies. He was even in uh, Goodfellas and a, a list of movies that he was in. Things were looking good. He had his book going on. He's making some movies. Caracapi is not into the high, high light, and he just wants to have a low profile. He actually gets a job as a correctional officer in the state of Nevada as a correctional officer for the state. He's not into that Hollywood, I don't want to make movies. I don't want to shed attention to myself. But Polito wasn't having any of that. As a result, they started putting the pieces together. And guess what happened? There was some indictment scheme down. Couple people got arrested. All this gangster stuff. <clears throat> and one of the persons that got arrested was Anthony Gaspipe Cassio. Well, he got arrested in a bunch of other indictments. Started thinking about it, thinking about it. And he said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. They're going to put me away for a long time here. I might not want to do this. You know what? I'm going to make a deal. So the government said, okay, we usually don't do deals with guys by the name of Gaspipe, but we'll make an exception. And they made a deal with him, and he laid it all out. And the first thing that the birds started chirping was, I got two detectives on the NYPD payroll. One of them was this fat guy by the name of Louis Epolito. And his family was all mopped up in the Gambino family. Remember, Anthony doesn't like the Gambinos. They've been squabbling back and forth. And his partner, Stephen, whatever his name was, Karakara, he couldn't pronounce his name in an interview that he gave for 60 Minutes. <coughs> and he turned them uh, over to the feds. Of course, the feds put all the cases together. They connected all the dots. They all led back to these two, and they were indicted and arrested. Now, in their first uh, case, they were actually exonerated because the government did a very bad case. They didn't really emphasize too many things. These, these guys are bad cops because I tell you they're bad cops. But what happens is when you got two dead, well-dedicated and, and, and awarded uh, with commendations cops on the on the witness stand here uh, as subjects, then it's very difficult to convince the jury that 
there's a turning point. Why? Because I can look at the records that their defense attorneys are giving me. Wow. Um, Medal of Valor, Combat Shooting Award, this and that. I mean, these were the real deal. And then you're telling me, and your straw witness here is Antony. Antony Gaspipe that barely speaks English. So no, the, the, the jury wasn't having it. So they... They they were were found. Uh, there was a hung jury. I'm not, I can't really remember, but uh, or, or uh, found not guilty. But the feds came back at them with, with some other charges. The bottom line is they were convicted, and Stephen Caracappa dies in prison, and Louis Epolito still in prison, and he's on appeal and, and trying his appeal. Um, God knows if you'll ever get out. But going back to the book and what attracted me about the book was I stood there in amazement back in 1992, 93, when I brought this book. I think it's 93. And I, I stood there and I go, this guy's got pictures of his whole family in this book. And it's in his police uniform. And you, you see him um, not only him, his, you know, his wife, kids, they're all there. <laughs> uh, his police uniform standing there. Now, of course, his dad was dead. Remember, I said his dad died in 1969. So, but but he still had uncles and cousins and everything else. Now, obviously, he's not in these pictures standing next to his relatives. But by any stretch of the means, this is a difficult sell. How do you sell this? How do you actually write a book and say, my family was the mob and I was a cop and get away with it? Obviously, this was a hairball scheme and they thought they were going to get away with it. I don't believe Caracappa was really into any of what he was doing and maybe even told him, I think, you you know, you, 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 you can't even get out of your own way on this situation. This is not good. And didn't like the limelight, as we said. But it spiraled out of control. Now, Gary Kappa made some mistakes, too, typing in people that he <coughs> that turned up dead on the computer on his passcode. Yeah, that, that might have not been the smartest thing to do. Now, there was some other things, too. Mr. Uh, Epolito fingerprint, believe it or not, came up on a file that was given to and found by the FBI forever busting Italians. They were found in the attic of a guy by the name of Rosario Gambino. And if you think he was from the Gambino family, you're absolutely right. The Cherry Hill Division, or the Zips. And there was a bunch of NYPD files that were found in his home, in his attic. What the hell was this guy doing with all these files? And when they dusted them for prints, Louis Epolito's fingerprints came up on the files. <coughs> he had no reason to have access to that file, but he was on there. So 
The NYPD suspended him. This is before he retired. And I think he had 15, 16 years and he was close to retirement. And they basically told him, listen, retire and go away and we'll make the, this whole thing go away. But if you fight it, you know, we'll, we'll fight you tooth and nail. Now, in the NYPD and through New York State law, you fight for your job through an administrative judge type of situation. <coughs> every, every jurisdiction is different, of course. And he was going up against a tough judge, Louis Epolito, in an administrative hearing, and everybody told him, you got to be crazy. But he's, uh, he went through with it, and he wins the case. Later on, the Fed said, well, the administrative judge just didn't understand all the particulars, and uh, that's why he, would, he got off. Some people say that he was paid off, the judge, and that's how that happened. But justice caught up to the Epolito and Caracappa later on as well. Now, I feel f badly for the family of both, especially Epolito, that uh, they have a website, which is like free uh, com or something similar to that. And they believe that he was framed and all this because of who the family members were, but the, the dad was not specifically like that. It's heartbreaking to see that because they had an image of who their father was. And it's very difficult to understand that he could have been living a double life. So my heart goes out to them. But um, was justice served here? Obviously, they gave him life in prison. So um, it doesn't look good for him uh, to get out on appeal. But uh, the book is called Mafia Cop. It's the story of an honest cop whose family was in the mob. And uh, we now know that he was not an honest cop. And yes, the family was in the mob. And he never answered that question when he first got hired in 1969. Our series are called the Wise Guy Series. Within these series, we enlighten you and mentor you through the process of the criminal justice system. The Mafia series will teach you how law enforcement has dealt with this criminal element and vice versa. It also shows how far the law and corruption go hand in hand sometimes. The Mafia series is to open up your eyes. Our next one that we have coming up is about the Grim Reaper. Now, you might have to ask yourself a question. What in the world would an Italian capo, which is a captain in the mafia, have to do with the Ku Klux Klan in Mississippi? And, then, and we're talking about the 60s. It's remarkable how the FBI lends a blind eye and a deaf ear to certain situations. But nevertheless, it's a business, and business has to keep on going. <laughs> 
I recently read an article about Vinnie Oceans. Vinnie Ocean was the captain in the New Jersey family, the Delco Vacantes, and uh, portrayed similar to the Sopranos. And, well, anyway, Vinnie Oceans, he squealed on everybody, went into witness protection. (coughs) Living in Houston, trying to uh, open up a strip joint and um, bamboozle some people out of their money and ends up on the front page of the newspapers in Houston. Of course, he got kicked out of witness protection program. So more and more you see these witness protection guys, mobsters, Sammy Bull Gravano, 15 years selling drugs. Uh, Some leopards don't change their spots, folks. Some people don't change their spots. If you look at the case with Sammy Gravano, I'll end with this. He turned state's evidence against John Gotti. He was the un- underboss of the Gambino Grant family at the time. The feds told him, you have to tell us everything you've ever done. You have to be perfectly honest. If we find one thing that you're not telling us the truth, deal's off the table. He goes, you got it. He admits to 19 murders. And he's walking the streets to get rearrested again. Something's not right with our criminal justice system. Something's just not right. But (laughs) it is what it is. Political, the FBI has become a political workhorse. Nothing more, nothing less. They will have a serial killer go back out in the streets, but at least they get the name in the newspaper saying they got the top guy. So, up next, episode number 90 will be The Grim Reaper next Wednesday, June 5th. Is it June 5th? I'm rambling here. I don't even have a calendar in front of me. So, that will be June 5th, and we will have The Grim Reaper. Stay tuned for that one. That one's, uh, I really enjoyed putting that one together, and I learned a lot of things about that one. And uh, what was interesting was Mafia and Ku Klux Klan. How in the world did that work out? And I can, what I can tell you, just to give you a little spoil alert, it didn't work out very good for the KKK. As always, folks, it is my honor and my pleasure to be your host on Raider Cop Nation. As always, continue to pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for the community that you live in. And pray for the agency that serves you. But most importantly, we just had a Memorial Day. Remember and focus on praying for the United States and of America. This is Alpha Mike. Through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam God bless America my home sweet
Four three two three, two thirteen twenty two. 